The Sanctuary, a community of Jesus people promoting the glory of God in all things to all nations through gospel-centered missional living. Whether it be working with groups in Africa to build orphanages and help rid the continent of AIDS, or feeding the hungry, giving to the oppressed, and helping the hurting who live in our own community, The Sanctuary invites you to be part of a culture of passionate service. You can change your world. Be inspired. Join the movement. We'll be in Proverbs again today. If you want to go there, let your Bibles kind of fall open in the middle. And uh, probably somewhere around Psalms. And Proverbs will be your next little book right over from there. So we're going to spend our summer in Proverbs. Just a couple of things to let you know about. First of all, there's a table right there by the sound booth that's got some um, Proverbs devotionals. And so as we go through the summer... Uh, one of the things we want to do is like just be immersed in Scripture um, and be in the Word all summer long. Um, you've got maybe some extra time over the next couple of months, so we want to want you to spin that up or fill it up a little bit um, by being in Scripture. So that little book back there, it's got uh, a little daily devotional that'll walk you all the way through the book of Proverbs. If you've got 10 bucks, drop it in the basket. If you don't, I don't care. We want you to have one. Um, that's all we have left, so if uh, we would ask that just like one per family, that would help us out to make sure everybody uh, gets one of those. So make sure you go there. Um, the last two things I think I want to point out to you on your chairs, you have this little slip of paper, and it's really something for you to kind of take home. It's a reminder um, about the things that we want. We're doing our best to pour into you this, this summer. Uh, we don't want your summer to be sort of, I don't know, a wasted time. You know, we tend to, it's vacation time and all that, and I get it, and we need it. Um, but this is an opportunity for you to just stay engaged, I think, spiritually throughout the summer. So these are some of the things that we've got coming up uh, throughout this month that will help you grow spiritually and continue to be engaged spiritually. Um, so we wanted to let you know about those and let you make them a priority um, over the next couple of months. So the, those dates are there. And then the last thing I want to point out is our prayer ministry. And just two things. First of all, there's this prayer wall over here. And some, uh, some people have written prayer requests and, and put them on that wall. So the way this works is, is that at any time, you can go over there and take one of those prayer requests, take it home and pray for it. Some of them have put their email address on there. And you are more than welcome to contact them and let them know that you're praying for them. And then if you have a prayer request, you can drop it there. Every Sunday, and I don't know if everyone's aware of this, but for years, probably four or five years, um, we have had back in this back corner over here a prayer area. And every Sunday, almost every Sunday, um, we have at least one, maybe one person, a couple, a couple of people in our church who are back there praying, and they're praying for you the entire time you're here. Uh, they're praying throughout the entire message, throughout the entire worship service. They're also available for, for prayer. So if at any point um, on any Sunday that you feel like you need to get up and have somebody pray for, pray for you, we want to encourage you to go over there and take advantage of that. Um, they should have, on some Sundays, they're going to have this I Pray t-shirt on. Um, they may have their, their TSF polo on, but that way you'll know they're there. Um, so we want to, I don't want to say we want to highlight prayer so much as we want to be praying people. We want to be a church that prays, okay? And so we're doing our best to keep it in front of you and encourage you to do that. Um, so take advantage of that, okay? So we're looking at, at Proverbs, and Proverbs is, is uh, we talked about it last week, um, but it's full of this language, this idea um, about foolish people and wise people, right? That, that we want to avoid foolishness in, in all these areas of our lives. It's going to talk about some real specific things. Uh, we want to avoid foolishness, and we want to gain wisdom. We want to be wise people. Um, and that reminded me of the story that, that some of you are going to know, but um, there were these two friends that were traveling across the country and headed to Colorado, and, and at night, one of them's delirious, and he takes a wrong turn, um, and he ends up driving to Nebraska instead of going to Colorado like he's supposed to. Um, one of them makes a bad choice. One of them, there's a picture that's going to come up here in a second. <laughs> One of them makes a bad choice and decides to walk the rest of the way. That is a bad choice. It's a very famous story. Some of you may know. The other one runs out of money, so Lloyd trades his van in for a moped. <laughs> Terrible choice. The rationale was, and he shows up with a moped, he says, I get 70 miles per gallon on this hog, <laughs> right? That's how he made his decision to trade in his van to drive to, to Colorado up the mountains. Harry, his friend, says, just when I thought you couldn't be any dumber, you go and do something like this and totally redeem yourself, right? <laughs> These two people could have been called not just dumb and dumber, but like fool and foolisher, if that's a word, you know? 
Just these two people who can't think, they can't discern, they can't make decisions, they can't think about subtleties, and they can't read a room, and they cannot figure their way out. Everything they do, you would look at them and go, you are immature, undisciplined fools, right? We get the luxury of laughing at them, but when that's life, it's not funny, is it? When you're living a foolish lifestyle, it's not funny, because quite frankly, and Scripture tells us this all throughout Scripture, if you choose to live life your way and just make repeatedly foolish decisions over and over again, calamity comes to you. At some point or another, even God looks at you and says, I can't keep this from coming your way. I can't stop this from happening. And, and calamity and destruction just kind of follows in the wake of repeated, like a lifestyle of foolish decisions. We're on the, here's the real, the real bummer about all this is, is that we're all born foolish people. We're all born simpletons. Every one of us is born into this condition where we are far too influenced by our peers. We are far too influenced by our, our, our world that we live in, culture that we live in maybe. And we really don't think twice about God. We don't even care about God and where he's coming from. We're simpletons. We're foolish people. C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Abolition of Man. It's fantastic. Basically, in this book, he's saying that it used to be, uh, way, way back in human culture, it used to be that man understood that there was something wrong with him, that there's something broken inside of me. And reality, what I see in this world around me, what I'm living in, isn't matching up to who I am and the way I think the world ought to work. And so ancient man old man, right, used to understand that and learn from the world that he lived in, learn the ways that things worked, and conform to that, bend his life to reality. Now, our problem is, is that everyone and everything else is wrong, and it has to conform to my reality. So we are setting ourselves up to continue this, like, perpetual lifestyle of foolishness, because really, honestly, modern life, modern, our modern culture tells us everything else is broken. You're right. Make everything fit into your world. Right? Isn't that kind of the message that we get on a consistent basis? And so we continue in our foolishness. So we're going to turn to Scripture. We're going to use Scripture over the next three months, June, July, and August. And we're going to look at uh, the Proverbs, and we're going to submit ourselves to Scripture because we believe, I believe, uh, that Scripture is supreme, and it's powerful, and it can change us, and it can reveal to us truth about God, and here's probably the biggest thing. Scripture can reveal to me truths about my own heart. This is, this is one of the biggest reasons why we're such fools, because we lie to ourselves really well. We tell ourselves things that are not true about ourselves, and we deceive ourselves into thinking that there really isn't anything wrong. So I need somebody to come from the outside with grace, hopefully, right? With kindness, but with also some authority and directness to look at my heart and go, man, Joe, this is broken. This part of you is not walking a wise, straight, and narrow path. Line up, right? Get straight with truth with real reality. So we're going to submit ourselves to Scripture, and hopefully it'll break us um, of some of our inborn foolishness uh, that we have. So Proverbs, we're going to turn to Proverbs. That's where we'll be. Proverbs, um, we're not so much given rules or commandments as we're given ideas and principles. So as you read, as we read through the book of, of, of Proverbs, there's not going to be a lot of, thus saith the Lord, go do this, thus saith the Lord, don't do that. It's going to be a lot of God has said somewhere, and here's how you make that work out in your life. So it's a lot of principles and values and ideas um, that we have to take and apply to, to real-world situations. So Proverbs is about that. Proverbs is about helping us take commandments from God, principles, ideas, values from God, and apply them to real-world situations. So like everyday, moment-to-moment situations, we want to apply the mind of Christ to those, those situations, right? To our actions. We're going to talk about this probably a lot throughout the book um, of Proverbs, but I want to say this. There, there are very few times during the day when you get to sit back and contemplate how you're going to respond to something, right? Um, I, I know courts here and, and 
My daughter-in-law's here. Oh, I said that publicly for the first time. My daughter-in-law is here, right? My daughter-in-law's here. Of course, here. They're at Chick-fil-A. And I was in there the other day. It was a madhouse, dude. You have so much business. And I hope the Lord's blessing you guys. It was crazy time. If some fool messes up a shake order in the back, you don't have time to sit there and think, oh, Lord, bless my mind now and help me to not respond with anger upon them. You know, it's spur of the moment. You have to make a decision. But here's the deal. If you don't have wisdom buried in your heart, what's going to come out is going to be ugliness and sin. Your life is the same way. You don't have time to evaluate how you're going to respond to your six-year-old when they did it again, when they didn't listen again, or your teenager when they lip off to you. You don't have time to go, oh, Lord, give me patience. I'd kill this young man right now. <laughs> right? You have to have wisdom buried deep in your heart so that you know how to apply the truths of scriptures to real-world situations. Does that make sense? So that's what we want. We want God's wisdom to be buried deep inside of us because normally foolishness is going to come out. And we want that foolishness to be submitted to scripture, to God, to Christ, and to wisdom. Amen? So that's what we're going to be doing as we go through uh, the book of Proverbs, okay? Um, God, we're going to also make the assumption here as we're going through this, as we're going through the book of Proverbs, um, not only is Proverbs going to help us understand how to apply some of God's big ideas to real-world situations, um, we want to avoid like our own, somebody making a documentary of our lives, it's called Dumb and Dumber 3, you know, or 4, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. We want to avoid that. And to do that, we have to kind of begin with, and I really mean this, there's, there, this is all based on some assumptions. So one of the assumptions is Scripture is authoritative, it's supreme, it can, it's powerful, it can speak into us. Here's the other assumption we're making, Proverbs makes the same assumption. Here's the other one, God is the source of wisdom, he's the keeper of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7, Proverbs chapter 2 verses 6 and 7, what is it, the beginning of, 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 of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, Right? God himself is the keeper of wisdom. He's the holder of wisdom, right? So we want to go, we have to go to God in order to get the things that we need. What is this idea of wisdom? I think we could easily describe foolishness. We just got to look back over the last 24 hours. Understanding foolishness isn't hard, okay? We want to understand wisdom better. So what is wisdom? Wisdom is about learning how the world works. You need to make a decision that's going to be some fork in the road of your life, but there's a lot of grays. There's a lot of gray morality to any particular decision. So how do you choose? That's wisdom. Wisdom, daily, daily life presents us with uh, these fork in the road moments. How do I make decisions at those moments that are wise and not foolish, that are going to lead me toward God, good life, happiness, satisfaction, and not toward foolishness and destruction and calamity? and all those things. That's wisdom. So it's an application of knowledge. I do think that's a baseline definition of wisdom. It's a practical application of knowledge, but it's a lot more than that too. It's discerning the subtleties of situations, and I'm convinced biblical wisdom is the ability to apply God's hearts and his desires to any situation. This chapter, we're going to look at it, chapter 2, it's going to talk about discernment and discretion. It's going to use those two words. And those are the things we want. We want to know the subtleties of any situation. How would God think about this? What's God's passion for this moment? How can I relate God, who he is, to where I'm at right now? But I do think we, we approach wisdom in a very particular way. And I'm going to say this. I'll say it again in a second. I think we generally approach wisdom in a very pagan way. Now, here's what I mean by that. I think we treat wisdom the way that in the movies they treated the infinity stones. We think that if we can go gather these six things, eight things, ten things, 600 commands, ten commands, we think that if somehow we get these objects in our life, suddenly I'll be wise. I'll have all power and all wisdom if I can just gather enough religion, gather enough information, gather enough knowledge, whatever it is. I also think a lot of times we treat God's wisdom like maybe a little more accurately for some of us, like, tarot cards or somebody wrote graffiti on the side of a train as it passes by and we go oh my gosh insight from the lord zodiac signs and you're like gosh pastor i've never looked at any of that stuff well here's what i mean by that i think our approach to wisdom can be very pagan here's what happens we have a desire for wisdom okay but here's here's what we're not doing i'm not going to do anything to gain wisdom i just have a desire that when i have to make a choice that i'm wise the other 98% of my time, I'm not doing anything to get wiser, 
to gain wisdom, to learn wisdom, to see wisdom, to let it seep into my heart, my life, my, my actions. But when I get to that point, I want wisdom. When the moment of decision comes, I hope I'm wise. And then our method to get it is something like this. God, here are all the options that I have to make right now. Here's all the choices that I could possibly make right now. God, and here are my feelings and my desires about this particular choice. Which, by the way, have you not figured this out yet? Your feelings and your desires could be totally fleshly. Like completely worldly. We can baptize them and dress them up and make them sound like a lot of things. But man, there's a lot of times I come to stuff in my life that I want, and it is completely from a fleshly perspective. So I come to this point of decision. I've not done anything to gain any wisdom. I just kind of lay them all out in front of the Lord. And I'm like, God, I really want this, and here's what's happening in my life. I have to make this decision right now. Which one am I supposed to make God show me? But I haven't done anything in the meantime to ask for wisdom, to seek wisdom, to gain wisdom, to learn how to apply wisdom, right? I want to jump from 2 plus 2 equals 4 to some kind of crazy, you know, college engineering degree in wisdom. And it doesn't happen that way. That's not how this goes on. Unless you're Solomon and God just goes, boom, here you go, right? But for most of us, and we're going to look at this as we go, I think that's a very particularly pagan way to approach wisdom. And a lot of us have that approach to God's will, God's mind, and God's wisdom. Verses 1 through 5, we'll look at that in a second, tells us this. It tells us to cultivate wisdom, to seek wisdom. Looked at this with our students on Wednesday. Colossians chapter 3 says to set your mind on things above. That's a daily, moment-by-moment decision to set your mind on things above. Wisdom both is and comes from a regular daily commitment to training your mind to take God's truths and apply them to everyday life. If you want to know what wisdom is, that's what it is. It is a daily commitment, moment-by-moment commitment. I'm going to take the truth of God, and I'm going to apply it to my life. That's wisdom. Consistently, literally, moment-to-moment, taking what you know about God, what you know about Scripture, and saying, how does it apply to this situation? I want to apply that truth here. That's wisdom. So things like this. We know that God has a good purpose for our lives. That's, that's a spiritual truth, a scriptural truth. God has a good purpose for my life. What might God's purpose be for me when I'm in my plateau? Is anybody, I'm going to ask you right now, are you in a season of life where you just feel like you've flattened out, you're, you're plateaued? Put your hand up. Be bold. Put your hand up, okay? I'm plateaued, God. What could your purpose for my life be right now? We know that God has a good purpose for our lives. So now we're asking, God, show me right? What could possibly your good purpose be for me where I am right now? Because I want to apply that truth to this real life situation or your successes or your pain. You can ask that question anywhere. God has a good purpose for your life. That is a scriptural truth. Now, how do I take that and apply it to my real life situation? That's wisdom. Give you another one. God holds his children accountable. I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up, but are you a Christian? Are you a Christ-believing, you've asked Jesus into your heart, you've been born again, justified, redeemed, follower of Jesus. Are you a Christian? God's going to hold you accountable. You will stand before God. I have a hard time getting away from these scriptures and reinterpreting them any other way. You will stand before God and give an account literally of every word you've spoken in your life. Now that's a scriptural truth. Now how do I apply that truth to my everyday life? How do I take that scriptural truth and then live it out in this life? We have been given this life. Listen, you haven't been given somebody else's life. You haven't been given the best life that somebody else has or your ideal version of what life ought to be. God gave you this life. Your sickness, your pain, your disappointments, whatever it is, your challenges, your obstacles to overcome, God's given you this life, and God will hold you responsible for what you do with it. There should be an amen there. It stinks on the one hand, but if God's good and he's kind and he's patient and he's merciful, that's a good thing. God not only gives us a purpose in life, which we talked about at first, he holds us accountable for that life. Amen? Gives us the Holy Spirit and scripture to know how to live that. That's wisdom. How can I live my life today knowing that I'm going to be accountable to God? That's wisdom. We have freedom to choose That's a God-given thing. It's a scriptural truth. 
We have freedom to choose, but we have freedom to choose to, to do what's right and to bless other people. How are you using your freedom to do what's right and to bless other people? Reverse it. How have I used my freedom to do what's wrong and to bless myself? God's got a purpose for you. He's going to hold you accountable. He's given you choices to make. Those are all scriptural truths. Wisdom. What do I do with that every day? God will show up when you need him. So don't walk out of here and go, oh, I'm not going to be pagan and ask God to help me when I need him. That's not what I'm saying. God's going to show up when you need him to. But I do think the majority of scripture, the vast majority of scripture's commands is to train our mind and our heart toward wisdom. That is what the scripture talks to us about wisdom. So there's this daily, what does that look like every day? Know the word. I I can't get away from that either. Some of you want a magic pill or you want a chip inserted in the back of your head and suddenly you're going to know God's will and God's mind. He gave us his word and he gave us his Holy Spirit. That's how we're supposed to get it. We're supposed to get into scripture and ask the Holy Spirit, show me what this means. Show me how I live this out. That's the beginning of getting our wisdom. Spend time with Jesus. Talk to him regularly. Seek counsel. Choose in confident faith. Learn. Wash, rinse, repeat. All right? Wisdom is not a straight line. It's just not. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to make bad choices. It doesn't make you the worst person in the world. It makes you a human being. We are fallible, right? So even though we call out to God and ask him to speak to us, and we may be convinced this is the way he wants us to go, It's possible we were wrong. Not God was wrong, but we might have been, right? Learn from that, gain some wisdom, do it again. Choose confidently knowing that God is with you. He's walking with you, and he's walking you through those learning opportunities, okay? That's wisdom, all right? So that's what we want to look at today. Proverbs, the whole thing about uh, about Proverbs and all that is that it's driving us to change and to be different. we want to know that God is, is working in us. He's radically renewing our character, radically changing who we are, uh, deeply embedding Christ-likeness in our heart, completely changing the way that we think. And then the thing, I would add, the thing I think that I would add today, that we would just have a disciplined pursuit of Jesus. If, if you had to talk about the way you chase after God, would you use that word? I, in a disciplined way, I chase after Christ. Or does it literally happen to you in very odd circumstantial things. Like the only, the only track record you have of God moving in your life is literally when a graffiti train drives by and you go, oh my gosh, a message from Jesus on the side of that train. The circumstances all lined up. Jupiter's moons were all in a straight line and God spoke to me. Or would you say no, on a regular basis, in a very disciplined manner, I seek the Lord. I seek wisdom. I do it on purpose. I think that's part of what Proverbs is trying to get into our hearts, that we're supposed to be in a very disciplined way chasing after God. Look in chapter 2, verse 1. He says, My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, if you lift your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Five verses on chase God, seek God, listen to God, be disciplined in how you're pursuing God. Then, right, for the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So what if we just put Jesus in there? We talked about that last week. In the book of Proverbs, Many, many times I think wisdom, you could just put Jesus in there. So let's just put Christ in this text and kind of read it again. Jesus is saying to us, my son, my child, if you receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, if you make your ear attentive to my voice, if you incline your heart to me, if you cry for me, if you lift your voice for me, if you seek me like silver and search for me like hidden treasures, then you'll know the fear of the Lord and you'll discover God's wisdom. What if we just put Jesus in? Does that make it any more attractive to you? Wisdom's an idea. It's a concept. I don't really get it. Jesus? Oh, yeah. I get that. Put him in there and then chase after him like this text tells us to, right? And when I get him, I get the fear of God. And I get all these treasures, which we'll look at today. And they come along with him when, he, when I chase after him. Jesus, I think, is calling to us like that today. 
He is in this room right now, and I just got to tell you, I'm not going to point fingers. God, we're fools, man. We are some of the fool, most foolish people. There are fools sitting in this room. And I think what God, some of you, what God's saying to you right now, Jesus very kindly this morning is standing in front of you going, would you please listen to me? Just bend your heart toward me. Just listen to what I have to say to you. And if you will follow me, I will give you everything you need for this life. So some of us had this opportunity right now to hear our Savior, to really listen to what he's saying and to gain the wisdom that he has for us. These are commandments, sorry, there are commands here that tell us that we have to go get wisdom. It says to receive, treasure, receive means to take hold or take possession of something, claim it and treat it like your own. To treasure something means to hide it. I love the the root word for that word treasure is a funny word. It means to lurk or to ambush. (laughs) So it's this idea that you've taken the word of God, the concepts of God, the principles and values of God, and you've carefully hidden them in your heart so that they jump out, right? They ambush things unexpectedly when you need them to. That's your knee-jerk reactions. Those are the things you don't think about. I have selectively, intentionally, in a disciplined way, sought God's wisdom, buried it somewhere, and when somebody comes through that booby trap, it's going to jump out. It won't be Joe that pops out or foolishness that comes out. It's going to be the wisdom of God that comes out. Does that make sense? So you're going to go get it, claim it as your own, treasure it, and hide it somewhere so that it jumps out at someone. One of the um, translations says, collect and guard wisdom with your life. Collect and guard wisdom with your life. So there's this constant theme in Proverbs, I think throughout Scripture, about getting wisdom, seeking wisdom, chasing wisdom, looking for wisdom. So I liken it to this idea that God kind of has a storehouse full of wisdom, and he's kind of waiting for you to ask. Your theology can get really bad there, and I don't want to go too far down that road, but James does tell us, if any of you lacks wisdom, what? Ask, and what's God going to do? He will give it to you generously. So I don't think I'm too far off. I don't know if God's got a storehouse of blessings for you. I don't want to go down that cruddy path, but I will say this. I think Scripture definitely says he's got wisdom. He is wisdom, and if I'll ask him for it, he generously pours it into my life. High school, I worked for this guy. I don't remember his name anymore. I want to say Mr. Wallace, but Susan and I, my sister and I, sorry, like you know who my sister is. Susan, my sister, we both did some work for him. She did some office work. I worked in the warehouse. We called him the turtle. Now, I was 15 or 16, so I get a pass. She was older. She gets no pass. She was a terrible person, but (laughs) we called him the turtle. He did look like a turtle, to be fair. And he uh, gave, this summer, I had this warehouse, and, and I had to straighten a warehouse. I don't know, it was a building probably as big as this entire building. And there was one whole wall, not just this room, but like the whole wall of the building, full of bins of screws, bolts, nuts, washers, everything from stuff like this to little tiny things. And it was just a disaster. And so part of my job was to go in there that summer and sort through bolts, screws, nuts, washers, and all that kind of stuff, right? I really wanted to go to college after that year. So I went out, and I was doing all that stuff, and I remember one day, and it, when I get done, it's, it's like eight feet tall. I had to get a ladder to get up into some of these, and, put, it's, and all down this 40-foot wall, just full of stuff, right? And he comes in about a month or five weeks after I'd been doing it, and um, he's like, where was this stuff? And I was like, it was everywhere. It was spread all over the place. And he looked at me and he cursed. He cursed a lot. And he said some bad words. And he said, he, he, they had a mine, uh, some kind of a mine up in Oklahoma. And he said, da-da-da, blankety-blank, beep-beep-beep, right? And he said, the mine just bought more of all of this stuff. We had all of it if they'd have just asked us for it. Does God have a warehouse somewhere full of wisdom? There's just wisdom nuggets laying around. And he's like, hey, go over there and dig around. Just sort some stuff out. Work hard. Sweat. Figure it out. Organize it. Put it together in such a way so that when you need it, it's there. And then when you need it, ask for it because I've got it all. Right? I really think that's what Scripture's picture is for us when it comes to wisdom is something like that. Don't call God the turtle, though, okay? Um, he says that all this wisdom is in his words and it's, a, it's in his words and commands, that's scripture. 
again, I think sometimes we're in love with this idea of loving God. Um, we're in love with the idea of God loving us and us being in love with God, and I think we've romanticized what it means to be a Christian, and we think primarily that that's where wisdom comes from. Like, because God loves me and I love God, wisdom somehow osmosisly just bleeds into my, my life. Some of us, I think, do that because we look at Scripture and it's overwhelming. I mean, Scripture can be tough, right? It can be a, a hard thing to kind of get into. So listen, if you've tried to read Ezekiel and you're like, I have no idea what he's talking about, stop reading Ezekiel, but don't stop reading Scripture. Okay, so maybe I can, I can strip it down for us because I want us to be just in wisdom. I want us to have wisdom bleeding into our lives all the time. So if scripture's too overwhelming, I want to, here's my challenge for you, maybe this summer. Just go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and read the red words. Do your Bibles have red words in them? Most of our Bibles do. Just read the red words. Just start there. Read just the red words. That's Jesus who's talking, okay? Read those words and kind of see what it says. Maybe if that, you're like, gosh, that's a lot. That's four books. Okay, I'll strip it down even further. Go to Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Three chapters. Sermon on the Mount. The most famous sermon that Jesus preached. Just start there. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to just ask God, what's your wisdom here? And now here's what he's going to do. He's going to talk about loving your enemies and praying for those who abuse you and being blessed when you're poor. It's going to be hard stuff, but it's just, Three chapters of Jesus giving us wisdom for how to live in this world. So maybe that'll strip it down and make it a little more approachable for you. But spend time with Jesus in Scripture, whether it's Ezekiel or Matthew. Spend time with Jesus in Scripture. And here's what I would say. You don't gain wisdom from reading words. You gain wisdom from living with people. But as you're in the Word, Jesus is with you, is he not? He's with you, and his Holy Spirit is enlightening you to what these words mean. You're spending time with Christ. So spend some time in that word and spend some time with Christ and let that scripture bleed into you again and get into you. So we're supposed to treasure these things. So here's what that means. Listen, how many of you would say God, has, God says some hard things about money? Things I don't like about money, right? He says difficult things about money. He says stuff about your, this is what God, in, in scripture, he talks about your time, your family, your thoughts, your thoughts, your loves, your priorities, worship, sex, truth. God talks about all that stuff. We're supposed to go to God's wisdom and go, that's a treasure. How many times do I go to God's word and go, that's a bummer? <laughs> right? Why is God giving me all these rules, man? Right? It's a treasure. That means that everything that God says about our lives, no matter what the topic is, is a treasure. It's something precious. It's not tedious. It's not boring. It's not too hard. It's not religion. It's a treasure. So when God tells you, I know your spouse is a moron, love them anyway, submit to them, men sacrificially love them, lay your lives down for them, it's a treasure. See what I'm saying? So I have to approach God's word. If I want wisdom, I have to approach God's word like it's a treasure to me. Then he says, turn your ear, listen to me. Jesus, again, he's saying, listen to me, turn your ear to me. Now, I take that to mean that I choose what I listen to. I choose what I listen to. Now, I may not have a choice in the flow of information that's coming into my life, you know, where it's coming from even or how it's coming into my life, but I do choose who I listen to. So who are you choosing to listen to? Is it your peers or social media your unchristian friends, a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Is it your own lying heart? Jesus says, choose to incline your ear to me. Choose to incline your ear, the heart ear, right? To me, to Jesus, to the word, to the spirit. I would say that this is anything or anyone that influences you with some kind of authority. Most of which you give them that authority, by the way. Who are you giving the authority to speak into your life? Have you ever evaluated their wisdom? Have you ever thought about that? Like who is exercising authority in your life? More than likely, especially as you get older, you're giving them that authority to influence you. Now just step back and answer the first question, who's doing that? Secondly, are they wise? Does that person have any wisdom? Are they just fun? <laughs> you know, are they smart? Are they wise? Let's open our ears up. 
to that kind of wise input. Verse 4 says, I'll reword it, but it says, If you pursue wisdom with the same frenetic activity that you do money, you will enjoy the things that I want to give you even more. That's basically what he's saying in verse 4. If you will chase after wisdom with the same kind of craziness that you chase after money, the things that you get in this life, you'll enjoy them even more. If we pursue those things without wisdom, they're going to be your terrible master. The things that you chase in this world without the godly wisdom that that you need to manage it well, they become your master and they're taskmasters. And they will crush you and they fall apart in the process too. And then you're left with nothing. The Bible is full of wisdom, golden truths for life and happiness, but we can't have them if we don't seek them, if we don't chase after them with the same kind of insanity that we chase after stuff and money in this world. We have to chase after them with that same kind of passion. Verse 7 says, He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. This is God. God stores up sound wisdom for the upright. God is a shield to those who walk in integrity. God guards the paths of justice, and he preserves the way of his godly ones. Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good course. That's what we want, isn't it? For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Pursuing wisdom, chasing wisdom, and eventually it enters into our hearts. This is what has to happen. Sooner or later, it's just the song we sang this morning. This all has to move from up here down into here. I don't primarily make decisions up here. I make decisions from my passions. I make decisions from my loves. The things that I want, that's what I choose to go after. That's where I choose to spend my time, money, and resources. It's the things that I'm passionate about. So I need God's truth and wisdom to get into my heart. So then I have to unlearn certain things. I have to forget certain things. I have to remember who I am in Christ. I've got to learn a whole group, a whole new way of thinking, a whole new group of values and, and, and morals and ways to make choices. Revenge and cursing and taking God and his name lightly, jealousy, self-hatred, self-love, pride. These are years of ingrained sins, years. Not only are they years of me practicing my sinfulness, I'm sinful. I sin because I'm sinful. Don't reverse those two things, okay? I'm not sinful because I sin. I do sinful things because I'm a sinful person. So I'm an expert. Guys, we're experts at this, right? You may not be good at anything else, but being a foolish person and being a sinner, we got it. A plus gold stars for us, okay? We get all that. So we need the word of God, the wisdom of God to come into our hearts and undo us. Like literally just break us apart and put us back together completely. It enters us, and then we start to become the things of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says this, We all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, we all are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So it's this idea that Jesus and his wisdom enter your heart. Way back in the day, I don't remember the name of this little book, but there was a book that talked about your heart, My Heart, Christ's Home, I think was maybe the name of this little booklet. And it likened your heart to a a house with lots of rooms and closets. And it's this idea that Jesus kind of comes into your heart and he saves you, right? But then he goes, hey, what's in this closet over here? You're like, oh, Jesus, wait a minute. (laughs) I knew you were coming, so a lot of stuff got shoved in that closet, you know? What's in that bedroom? Eh, you don't need to go back there either. Why don't we just stay here in the living room right now, right? Focus on the kitchen. I got that clean before you came in, all right? So it's this idea that Jesus comes in and he starts going through rooms and he starts going through drawers and he starts going under the bed and he starts going through your closet and he's like, what's up with this? Let's change this. Have you ever thought about this? This needs to be tweaked a little bit. Let's get rid of those, right? That kind of, that's just what he does. And at some part or another, it's in my heart and I find it pleasant. It becomes a pleasant thing. So it's no longer I'm afraid of him looking in all these hidden places. It's Let's go look in today, Jesus, right? Let's go into like, see what we can put in the garage sale today, <laughs> you know? Let's get it out and get it out on the curb. And that's a pleasant thing that starts to happen to us. So you may say something like this, man, I really want to stop raging against my family. I want to stop raging against my husband and my kids. I want to stop feeling like I'm nothing but bad. I want to stop being overwhelmed by sexual temptation. Pursuing Jesus, treasuring Christ, inclining your ear to him, 
It begins to work its way into every area, and soon wisdom pleases our souls, and it rules our lives. Praying for your enemies becomes pleasant to us. Forgiving becomes pleasant. Some of us are stuck right there, are we not? We've been hurt. We know we need to forgive, and the idea of forgiving them makes us a little ill. Forgiveness becomes pleasant to us. Speaking blessings on other people becomes pleasant to us. Waiting on the Lord becomes pleasant. Being thankful, serving other people first, that becomes pleasant to us. As God works his wisdom into us, it becomes pleasant. Sex can be pleasing to us, right? No amens, but it can be pleasing. It's okay, we can say it's church. God was pleased to give it to us. This is God's gift to us. It's his design And his way is better. There's a pre-marriage way to deal with sex, and there's a post-marriage way to deal with sex. And God's way is best. Amen? Amen. No matter which side of the marriage altar you're on, God's way is best. Okay? Now, I can do it my way, because that's going to bring me joy. It's going to make me happy for the moment. Or I can do it his way, and that's going to bring me eternal satisfaction, and it pleases my Father. I can do it my way and worship it, or I can do it his way, and it's actually a way of worshiping him when I'm doing it the way he created it to be done. Amen? This is very simple stuff. God's wisdom works its way into my heart, and as it does, his ways become pleasing to me. Not just in the peripheral religious things, but in the things that really matter day to day. Stuff can be pleasing to me. Individual ownership is God's idea. I'm really comfortable with saying that. I don't think communal ownership is God's idea. I think individual ownership is God's idea. And we're supposed to be stewards of the things that he gives us. Really good stewards. Matter of fact, Jesus says wise stewards. We're supposed to be wise keepers of the things that he gives us. It pleases God for us to have things and to honor him with it and to bless other people with it. Or we can do it our way and we can worship it and it becomes our, our idol and our master. Wisdom, it gets into my heart and my soul and I enjoy stewarding my things in a way that pleases God. What benefits come to your life from wisdom? Here's what I would say. As we've talked about wisdom, I really do want you to look at it like this. This is the stuff that comes with Jesus, like in the train of his robes. You know what I mean? I don't know if you think about it that way, right? But like Jesus comes into the room, and what he's dropping behind him are these blessings, right? This amazing stuff. So here's what I would say. Way back in the day, my first date, no, my second date with Mindy Sanders was going to a Dallas Mavericks LA Lakers game. Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, James Worthy, Michael Thompson, like when they were awesome Showtime Lakers. That was my second date ever to go, so I was like, jackpot, right? No, so, (laughs) because her dad, Bob, my kids know him as Bobby, works for the Mavs. So what have we done for the last 29 years of our lives? My kids have grown up with this, going to Mavs games. We didn't just sit on the court, we went under the tunnel. We met players, we met coaches, one of the assistant coaches gave our cousin, my nephew, their cousin, his nickname, Coley Bob. One of the assistant coaches of the Mavericks, Del Harris, one of the greatest coaches in the NBA, gave my nephew his nickname that we still call him that today. I don't hang out with Mindy and Bob because I get to go to Mavs games and walk into the tunnels and shake hands with Dirk. That's the stuff that comes in the train of being a part of this amazing family. Does that all make sense to you guys? That's the stuff that just came along with it. The blessing is Mindy. The blessing is my kids. The blessing is Bob and Chris Ortigal, my in-laws. God and Jesus, the same way. You should ask, what blessings come to my life in this relationship? And when you get with Jesus, stuff comes with him. Amen? That's okay. I'm not talking about creepy stuff that you're talking about otherwise. I'm talking about the good things of God. So what kind of stuff comes with him? It says, God says, I'm your shield. So I'm going to ask for some response. Who would, who would say this morning, I'm in a place right now and I need God to shield me. I need God to be my shield. Would you put your hand up? This text says that as you chase after wisdom, you pursue it, you treasure it, you hide it in your heart. It, gets, it enters into your heart and it becomes pleasant to you and God says, I'm your shield. That's what comes along with wisdom. God is your shield Maybe it's something tangible, and I mean like visceral, like you need God to shield you physically from something. 
but it can also be your hearts and your souls. And quite frankly, at some day or another, I need to know that God's just shielding my soul for salvation someday. That when I walk out of this world, I walk into his world with him, and he has shielded my soul, amen, for eternity. That's what it says, one of the benefits. What else is one of his benefits? He preserves your ways. That means that God is ensuring your steps, and he's making sure that your steps are good and smart, and that your steps hold up under pressure. I'm going to ask again, how many of you are at a place right there where you're like, I got decisions to make, and I want to know that these choices I'm making are going to last, that it's smart, that it's a good choice. Put your hand up. Wisdom comes your way, and God says, I'm going to do that for you. I'm going to make sure that the paths that you walk down are straight, and you're going to make good, smart choices. Deliverance. That's what he says. I'm going to deliver you. I don't want to overemphasize, but I don't want to underemphasize. So I'm going to say it's things like disease, and I'm not being pedantic at all. I'm not being Sunday schoolish at all. Listen, do you realize we all get delivered from every disease? Amen? Don't ever be ashamed to say those, those words. But it ain't going to happen on this side of the grave, because we're all headed to the grave. Deal with it. Let your theology be big enough to handle that, okay? I'm going to die. You're going to die. I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, God's going to deliver every one of us from every disease. Amen? Some of you are going to get the blessing of that happening now. And that's just a holy hallelujah moment if that happens for you. But eventually we win, (laughs) right? Because Jesus defeated the grave, we defeat the grave. So we will be delivered from every disease, difficulties, depression, dissolving relationships, destructive thoughts. How many of you would say, I need some deliverance? Physically, emotionally, relationally, I need deliverance right now. Amen? All that comes in the train of the glory of Jesus when he comes into your life, man. That's the stuff that just drops off as he comes into your life. All that comes to you. C.S. Lewis said this, mere Christianity. He said, Jesus told us to not only be harmless as doves, but also wise as serpents. He wants a child's heart, but a grown-up's head. He wants us to be simple, single-minded, affectionate, and teachable, as good children are. But he also wants every bit of intelligence that we have to be alert at its job and its first-class fighting the trim and the stuff in our lives. God wants all of that for us. Some of you are here and you're like, "Uh, blah, 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 church, 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 pastor, 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 Jesus, Jesus. So here's what I'm going to tell you, the person here, that you're rebelliously, lazily not listening. If you're too proud to listen, if you're too lazy to review your life, if you're too stubborn to submit to God, if you're too busy to ask for God's wisdom, if you're too pleased with the toys of this world, and that's all they are, they're going to break and you're going to move on. If you're too pleased with this stuff, let me tell you the warning of Scripture, the warning of Proverbs is this. Your life will be over soon and you will die foolish. I think I've told you guys this before. I did a funeral one time in Tucson, Arizona. He was probably in his 60s. And we got to the part of the funeral where I think the pastor, it was weird. I was a Baptist church. We hosted a Catholic funeral. It was very odd. And while he's going, the priest, I think, is going through the thing. He's talking about the greatness of this man who we're doing the funeral for. And he got to the point of talking about how pure he was and how committed to his wife he was. I'm not lying. If there were 150 people there, 40 of them laughed out loud when he talked about how faithful he'd been to his wife. I found out after the service, several of his mistresses were there in the room. Rich man, rich man owned many restaurants in Tucson, Arizona. Rich guy. His family fought over his wealth for a long time. He died a fool. He went through his entire life too proud, too pleased with his toys, too busy to review, to ask himself, am I living in wisdom? He died, and he died a fool. Chaos and wounded people and messy, missed opportunities will follow you all the days of your life. God will take away even what you think is yours. That's Luke chapter 8. Pretty clear. So you can choose to walk out of here a particular way, or you can choose to go, God, am I a fool? In what areas of my life am I foolish? 
How have I not, where have I not submitted to your wisdom? Who do I need to listen to? Who do I need to not listen to? So are you looking back over your day and can you conclude that your words and behavior were results of wanting to act wisely or wanting to get your own way? So if you look back at yesterday, would you say pretty much for the whole day, right? Cumulatively speaking, I lived in such a way that I wanted to be wise. Or do you look back at Saturday and go, nah, I lived the way I wanted to live. One's wise, one's unwise, one's selfish, one's submitted to God's ways. This all begins, everything starts with the cross of Jesus Christ. It centers on Jesus Christ. It's the foolishness of the cross. So here's what happens. I want you to think about this. We'll be done. At the cross, God says to us, I'm going to send you your king. I'm sending your king to you. So we're thinking, well, he's coming to rule, and he's going to destroy evil people. Or we're thinking, he's going to come and teach everybody how to live. Or we're thinking, he's going to come and show me that I've been right all along. All right? What does he do instead? He goes straight to a cross. He goes straight to a cross. He sacrifices himself. He leaves power and position and privilege, and he dies. In our place. For us, criminals, fools, rebels. Foolishness. And I just want to tell you, this is where we start. This is how it all gets turned around for us. It all starts there at the cross. Trusting and believing in that act on a cross and then daily relying on Jesus to show me his way. How can I live the way that this foolish man who died for me lived his life? How can I live like that? Jesus is the beginning of wisdom. He's the source of all wisdom. And if I don't go to the cross first and understand that God's way of building life is kind of looks silly and dumb to most people, I'm never going to get started. If I rely on my, my wisdom and my knowledge, I'll die a fool. Let's not do that. God, I pray that you would speak to us today. You'd break us today. We're prideful people. We don't want to, be think, we don't want to think of ourselves as foolish. We don't want other people to look at us that way. God, I pray that you would forgive us of our pride, break us of it, Show us truth, knowledge, but more than that, Father, I pray that it would get into our hearts. It would enter into our hearts and your ways would be pleasant to me. Can we pray that prayer? God, let your truth and wisdom enter my heart and then let it be pleasant to me. Your ways, I want your ways to be pleasant to my soul. God, speak truth to us and life to us. Give us wisdom. We can't do it on our own. In your name we pray, amen. I'm gonna ask our guys to come and they're gonna take up the offering if you are a... Uh, Member here, give.